Welcome back to the Next Level Football Show. This is part two of The Truth with Kyle and Mitchell Wilson. Mariana Ortega is not available. We restart this conversation with Christian Pulisic's interview with The Herd, and it begins with the MLS and Europe football. So let's get started. Imagine going against Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba. Kevin De Bruyne. Ronaldo. Messi. Ronaldo. Messi. Ribéry. Robin. I mean, you name it. You're playing against the best players in the world. And that is a huge difference in what you're playing over here. Because when you're going against Toronto, you're not playing against the best players in the world. Not even close to it. It doesn't matter who's on that team, even if it's Giovinco. And Giovinco's a good player. But he's not the best player. Not even close to it. So, if you're playing against Giovinco, that's one player. But imagine playing against a team... uh, Playing against... A team, and everybody on that team is good. And that's, again, if you go to an academy in Europe, every player on that team is going to be good. Whereas here in the U.S., you maybe have one or two players that are good, and everybody else is well behind. And so players aren't being challenged to be better all the time. That's one of the things in that IX video that they talk about, is that when all the players are really trying to become better, it pushes you to become better, and all those players to become better. And that's something that, again, is 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 being... Overlooked. Overlooked and not thought about in whatever word you want to use. And then Dave asked, is a better one-touch game in Europe, quicker ball movement? So, Dave, I'm going to give you an example. I, I took I went with a friend of mine to France in June. And I coached a U13 team. He coached a U18 team. And we took seven kids, seven, seven kids that played DA, which is the highest level of youth soccer in America. And we didn't even play any professional clubs. And we got battered every game. Now, the first game that we played was the best team by far. And they weren't a pro club. They were an amateur team. But they played unbelievably well. And it was like tick, tock, tick, tock. And, you know, one of the kids came off the game at halftime. We're down 2-0 and it could have been 6. I mean, our goalkeeper made a lot of saves and kept us in the game. And he's like, Coach, my, my head hurts and I'm tired. And I'm like... Well, what happened? And he's like, the other team is passing faster than Usain Bolt. And you're talking about a U13 team, and they're playing at such a fast tempo because they have all the, all the base technical skills, the fundamentals. They have the general knowledge of where to be, how to play, and they're building up. So basically what happened was the defensive third, their defensive third by their goal, the middle third, they played basically two touches. It was like very quick, and our players couldn't keep up with the speed of the game. And when they got to the final third, this is where all the freedom kind of came in, where these players were free to do whatever they wanted to create, to play 1v1, to play a quick combination pass in between. And don't get me wrong, they played combinations all over the field. But that's when you kind of saw even more creativity come out because it's the final third. There's less risk when you lose the ball in that area. And in the end, we ended up losing, I believe it was 6-0. And again, it could have been like 15. But these kids are getting all the bases – they're learning the next steps. It's, it's like going to school. You go to grade one. Then you go to grade two. You go to grade three. And here, for me, it's like we don't even go to grade one. We just jump straight to grade three or four. And you're skipping everything that the kid needs to become a better soccer player. And this is kind of why we wanted to call this episode The Truth. Because if you skip the fundamentals to become a better player... It's not possible for us to play at the highest level. It's not possible for our players to play at the best level. That's why Christian Pulisic has been so successful because he got the fundamentals. He went to grade one. He went to grade two. He went to grade three. He got to four. 
Then he goes to Europe and he gets to 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and he gets to pro. So that is a huge difference. What age would you say European or South American kids get picked up for advanced training? Well, if you're referring to advanced training, you mean academies. I mean, really, that starts... The academy system, like, in France starts at age 8. So they're getting picked up. Now, that doesn't mean that that kid's going to stay in that system the whole time. And I'll let Mitchell also have a chance to answer your question. But they're going through the training and every age group is, or not every age group, but every club is basically doing this because they know what it takes to develop players. And that's, I think, a huge difference between us and them. Most coaches or clubs or organizations don't know what it actually takes to develop players. How many hours of essential... I call it ball mastery. Ball mastery training these players need, the repetitions they need to become an expert with the ball. And when you're going out getting that training with your club and then going out and playing all the time, like in South America or Europe, you're getting a chance to practice, 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 and, and really master your ability. I don't know if, Mitchell, you want to say anything else to that? but uh, So I guess you mean advanced training like the best training? Uh, so essentially, by the time they're getting that kind of training, it's probably about U14, uh, probably even before that, probably like U12, U11, where they really start tick-tock, 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 and hammering home the game IQ. Yeah, game IQ, I mean, that's basically all I need to say, is when they're hammering that in, and like, look, you need to be here in this situation, and you need to pass there, blah, 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 and that's really when they start hammering home. Now, if you're talking about just getting all kinds of training from, like Kyle said, the academy, yeah, it starts U9, or U9, U8, I'd say. So it makes makes a huge difference when kids are in the system. Last question that we want to kind of throw out there, uh, or last thing we want to talk about, really. And then if there's any other questions, we'll answer them. And then, you know, thanks, everybody, for watching. And, Dave, I really appreciate all your comments because it's been fun, you know, having a good communication. It's been a while anyway, so it's been fun. So after the USA didn't qualify for the World Cup, what is the next step? And this kind of was on the same thing of that of the show with uh, Colin Hurd. Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd to show the herd is, you know, he he talks about focusing on the on the men's national team. We need to take a step back as a country, and Germany did this, France did this, Spain did this, Japan. and now it looks like England are now starting to do this. Hopefully, China. China's done it, and it's taken a step back, looking at what the problems of the system are, and the first big problem is development. If we start developing players the right way, with every if every club developed players the right way, we wouldn't be having this conversation the same way because players would be getting everything they need. But most clubs, especially, I would say, I, I'm this confident in this answer, 90 to 95% of the clubs in the country are not giving the kids what they need in terms of proper development if the goal is to become a professional player. Now, if it's not professional, that's why I brought up the, the question to everybody, what is U.S. soccer's goal? Is it to become the best? Is it to become a strong country? Is it to become an average country? Or is it to provide soccer for everybody? If it's the first one or the last one to be the best or to provide soccer for everybody, we're failing. We are failing at that because we're not the best. We're not even close to it. Everything's not set up the right way. And we're not providing soccer for all because it's an elite sport here in the country. So that's where everything has kind of gone backwards. So if we take a step back, focus on what the kids need, the development aspects, I think everything will kind of 
slowly snowball, but it has to, the, the progress has to start with that. And when that's put in place, I think we can start talking about everything else, having promotion and relegation, having players in the system get a chance to try and go play pro. Give them a chance to go play one game. Go let them play in the USL. Because there's no... Your cell is relegation, right? I can't even tell you. I don't know. I have no idea. I assume I not. I think they have USL... They have USL 1 USL 2. I don't know if there's pro in relegation. But... Give kids... Give them a chance to play. Please. Let, let's give players a chance to play. Because that's when you're going to see if they're good enough. I mean, imagine... We're, we're going to find out if there's, for example, a next Christian Pulisic or not. And that's something that if we don't do, we're going to be behind and it's going to, and it's going to cost us again. And this is the great period for reevaluation since we missed the World Cup. So, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, okay. So, look, there's no disrespect to Colin Coward. Uh, I'm, uh, he's not a, an original soccer fan, right? He's pretty new to the sport and, and his show. It's, he's pretty new to covering it. And so he may not, uh, I don't want to be rude here, but he just may not know. He may not have the greatest idea. And so he's thinking, look, it it starts with the national team. And I know that's where a lot of people think it should start, the national team. But no, that's not where it starts, right? Like Kyle says, it starts in the youth system. Uh, Let's look at China, for example. They've, I want to say, like a couple of years ago, they started investing heavily. Heavily, I think it was like billions, yeah. maybe even one or two billions into their youth system, right? They brought all these top coaches from Europe to come over and train their uh, academies over in uh, China. And so they're, the, the players now, I'm sure you've seen some videos, if you have any, if you've liked anything of soccer related, uh, you've seen the videos that are like sponsored or someone shared or something. I've seen some videos and the players are good. The players are progressing really well, and they're still young because it, was, it wasn't too long ago. I want to say it was like seven years ago. That's when they really started heavily uh, investing into their youth system. And if we want to be taken as a serious soccer country, we need to do the same. I've, uh, I don't remember exactly how much, but I read somewhere, I want to say we had about $10 million to invest into soccer. And if that money doesn't go into the youth, we will never see America become one of the best. It just won't happen. And we're still so far away. And yeah, people are going to say Pulisic. But like we've said before in this on our shows in the past, is Pulisic really an American player? Yes, he's an American player. But is he developed from America? Think about it, right? He left when he was 13. So he's still not even finished with his technical development yet at that age. And I think most of his training came from his dad, and his dad's Croatian. He also played a lot of kind of free pickup games. Yeah, he played a lot. His dad, in, in his blueprint, he talked about how he introduced futsal to him. And, he, and again, because of the benefit of futsal, playing small-sided games, fast pace, creativity development, uh, speed of thought, speed of play, everything is just getting developed. And that's why futsal is used. That's why street soccer is used. I so yeah, I mean yeah, he's. I wouldn't call him an American developed player. I, I would say he's a product from Europe. Uh, whatever academy originally picked him up. I know he got signed to Dortmund at 16, so there's three years there in between where he was somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where, but that's besides the point, right? So he's not really an American player. Well, here's the here's the funny thing. If you look up, if you go to FIFA.com, you can look this up. Actually, 
you can look up the training for compensation model. And the last time I verified this, it could have changed. The, the time period for players or clubs that get compensated for players was, and I'm assuming it's still the same, 12, the age of 12, to age of 23. So if Christian Pulisic stays at Borussia Dortmund until 23, they're going to get benefit, more benefit, because he's been there since 16, and he goes all the way to 23. That's seven years of development, and they're going to get additional compensation if he goes to another team. So that's after 23. But every year he's at Borussia Dortmund, they're going to get additional compensation if he transfers out or if he's a free agent he leaves. Whatever the situation is, they're going to get a compensation for formation check, essentially, for his development. And every year you are in an academy or in a system like that, the money goes a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher. So they're going to get a good check, so to speak, when he moves on. And, yeah, uh, he's right. And that brings me back to my next point, or my, not my next point, what I was, my original point was, so if we want to be taken serious as a serious soccer country, we, we need to start investing. We need to start bringing in the people who know, right? Because let's be honest, the people, at least when my, the uh, soccer class I had, knew nothing, nothing about coaching. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting there. I remember one guy, he had a warm-up. And it was throw the ball in the air to a teammate, and the other teammate had to catch it. I'm like, why are seven? And keep in mind, this class is for kids from age supposed to be trainings from age of seven to nine. Why I'm thinking, why is a seven to nine year old throwing the ball up in the air and catching it when he's playing soccer? He's not going to be able to differentiate that he can't use his hands. His brain doesn't have that mental capacity, and it blew my mind that he showed this right. So these instructors were telling us, look, everything we show you, you can take home to your club teams. I'm not taking that to my UA team. I'm not. Huh? Oh, you're right. Sorry. The next training I actually had with my U18 team, I had them throwing the ball. You were a liar. I saw you do it. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm like, why would I? That doesn't make any sense, right? And then here's, the, here's an even odder part to it. We had one of the coaches, we had to demonstrate drills, right? One of the coaches for his warm-up, had team had his team, we, which were all the coaches that participated in each one, throw the ball in the air to each other, and then he was like, "No, no, no, you can't do that. Why aren't they using their feet?" But I was like, uh, "Hello, wasn't your warmer throwing the ball up into the air?" So, anyways, those are the kind of guys we have coaching our coaches and Is, kids and kids. Is that someone we want? Uh, I mean, it, it blew my mind, and then a lot of the trainings. That the instructors were showing us to do were for like 16 year olds. And I'm sitting there like, how in the heck is a seven, eight, nine year old supposed to be able to do this? It blew my mind. The kid can't even dribble, but you want him to play a 10 yard pass in the air. Excuse me? I mean, I remember we had, a, we, we had topics, we were given topics to cover. My topic was shooting. And moving, I think it was moving to shoot or something like that. And I'm like, why am I teaching a seven, eight, nine year old moving in a direction to shoot? Why am I doing that? It made zero sense to me. You think that's bad? Mine was redirecting serves to go forward. That means to me, that's a cross that comes in. You're you're learning how to clear a ball out to go back the other way. So, 
Again, and it's same age topics. Why are you teaching? Mm-hmm. Why why would I teach an eight year old, nine year old, ten year old to learn how to clear a ball? Or, or the way just, I'm taking this is redirect a serve to go forward. You're clearing the ball to go the other way. Or I mean, even play. I mean, imagine that. Uh, I mean, I took it I, when you first said it. In my mind, it was you play the kid a long ball and he's taking a positive touch forward. Why are you teaching a seven, eight, nine, ten year old to do that? He can't even dribble the ball yet. So either way, whichever way you took it, or even if it was a cross and he's got to head it in to score, we're not even allowed to hit the ball. And yet that's one of the topics, right? They're not even allowed to head the ball, but that's one of the topics. How does that make any sense? And these are the guys that are teaching the coaches or even teaching the players. Well, so is that, and I don't know the answer, and you probably don't either, but is that is that the curriculum that U.S. soccer gives? Or, like, are, is U.S. soccer saying, hey, coaches, this is what you need to teach the, the our new coaches? Or is that... Probably. And, well, if that's the case, which I, I agree with you, I think it's the same thing. Right there, that shows that there's a problem with U.S. soccer in terms of what they're looking at coaches to do. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a big problem. And, and look, that coaching course we took, it wasn't even... Oh, are your drills coaching the kids the right way, right? I, I had a... There was a coach there... That was teaching him to that one of his drills was literally all right players this is a great way to dribble dribble forward with the outsides of your feet right so he went outside right outside left outside right outside left and he kept switching like that i'm like and i was sitting there looking at the instructor i'm like are you gonna fix this hello uh he didn't care why are you teaching a kid to dribble like that blows my mind right why are you going one outside one outside one And most of the most of the coaches in these courses are, look, I mean, ninety percent are parents. Yeah, and that's that's fine, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the coach. He doesn't know that's fine. But the dude who's coaching him how to coach, if he doesn't step in and go, look, this is wrong. You need to be doing it like this. Then I have an issue. I had no issue with that guy. That guy was actually a good dude. You know, oh, yeah. he was a, he was a nice guy. And he was looking to learn more about soccer. He literally told me the reason he's there is because he wants to learn more and he wants to coach his son. That's fine. But did he learn more? No. You know what he learned? How to fill out a freaking paper. Isn't that what you learn in school? Seriously? Isn't that like when that's why you take math, right? So you can fill out the paperwork and whatever. Okay, 2 plus 2 is 4. So you write that down. Isn't that what that's for? Why, why am I being taught that at 22 when I'm supposed to be learning how to coach? Right? That guy, I think he said he was a hockey guy. And he, I don't remember, it was over a year and a half ago at this point. Probably even over a year and two-thirds. And, he, and, he's, and he's, trying to, he's trying to learn soccer to keep, teach his own son. I have no problem with that. You know, he doesn't know. He's trying to learn. So good for him. He's trying to learn. He's spending money trying to learn to teach his kids. Good for him. The problem is with the U.S. soccer, their instructors aren't telling them, look, don't dribble outside, outside. That's wrong. That's not what you're supposed to do. It's outside, inside, outside, inside. And we're not helping him to learn anything I, I wanted to step in you're doing this wrong I didn't I probably should have but I didn't actually I probably shouldn't have so it's a good thing I didn't but it's 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 seriously we need to look at this and we need to look at it thoroughly we can't just go oh no no our coaching courses are good they're filling out papers yeah 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 but I mean they were telling us to fill out these uh, I don't even remember what they're called what are those papers training called? plans training plans no one's going to read our training plans except for us. So who cares what it looks like? If we understand what the training plan is, what our session is, why does it matter if they're able to read it? 
right? I, I literally drew a stick figure and the guy got it. No, 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 it needs to be a triangle or a circle. Why? Why? If I draw a stick figure and I know what I'm trying to represent or replicate, why does it have to be a circle or a triangle? That makes zero sense. And me, if I put a circle or a triangle, that represents cones. I'm thinking, oh, that would be a cone. <laughs> what? I, it blows my freaking mind, and this is what we're teaching in our coaching courses. So I feel sorry for everyone who's spending lots of money because, let's be honest, they are not cheap. They really aren't. They're really expensive. Trying to go out there and actually learn something about the game, learn how to coach their kids or even other kids. Maybe they just like, hey, you know what? I really like soccer now. I want to get into coaching. You know, my... I used to watch my kids. They were awesome. And now I want to get into coaching. I want to coach other people. And they're trying to learn the game, and they're not being taught it. They're being taught that they have to write circles for players or triangles for players. And it makes no sense to me. It really does. So I think to summarize everything that Mitchell's talking about here, it's coaches are being coaches that are going for coaching courses in general are not being taught the right things to help kids get better. They're being taught how to write on a piece of paper. And that's like saying that everybody has to write the same way, with the same style. It's, I mean, really, it's sheepish. You're telling everybody to do the same thing, follow a pattern, follow this line, and that's, you know, 19th century style well, life. Speaking of that, I, I remember being in math class. I had a teacher tell me, I don't care how you get the answer. You get the answer right, that's fine. Right? So why is it not the same for this? Why is, if we get the same answer, we both develop a kid, say uh, we both have different, we have two different coaching philosophies, we have similar ones, but they're different, and that's fine, right? His isn't better than mine, mine's not better than his. Yeah, okay, sorry, mine's better than his. Mine's better, but yeah. But anyway, that's, right? So, if we get the same end result, where, let's just say, we have, we both take a kid, they both play professional soccer, one playing for Manchester City, the other one's playing for Manchester United... Is where what what does it matter which one the kid took, right? Why does it matter that mine had stick figures and his has triangles and circles? It doesn't. They both they're both now playing for a top team in the world. What does it matter? It doesn't. It has makes so it yeah okay. Well, it makes no sense. So, just to kind of summarize for anybody that comes in and watches this video later or that just joined us, the whole point of this episode was essentially like a rant. Uh, we called it the truth for a reason because we wanted to give our honest opinions on a whole bunch of variety of topics, which I think we've done a very good job, and we've actually almost gone for an hour and a half. And could go more. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more that we could say. So if there's really no more questions from anybody, Dave, I'm looking at you. <laughs> if there's no more questions from anybody, I think we're almost done here. We will be making this into a podcast available for people. We're going to figure out the, the best platform to put that on. And we'll have that out shortly, and hopefully we'll do the same with all the other episodes. So that way, if you know you're in the car, you want to listen, you can instead of actually watching the video on YouTube or something or Facebook. So that you know, save a little bit of data and stuff. But let's go ahead and see. Let's go ahead and, and, and finish this up. Oh, Dave said, "I want to know what your brother really thinks." With a bunch of laughing faces. Well, Dave, I don't even know if you really want to know that because I think Mitchell will go on for about three hours, and I'll have to leave. Probably need to go eat. So. 
It'll be a long story, but if Mitchell wants to give a quick 30-second summary, we can definitely do that. Mitchell, 30 seconds. What I really think, I'm guessing you mean about U.S. soccer, it's terrible, it is a disgrace, and we really need to fix it because we're not teaching kids. We're, we're not. I mean, I look around, I look, at the, I look at the club I used to be at, the kids suck. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry if I offend you or if I, uh, whatever, they, they suck, right? It's They're not just one specific club. It's every club. Well, I'm, I haven't even gotten to that yet. Oh. Yeah. I'm just referring to what I, and then the other teams we play, I used to play, I would get asked after the game, how are your kids so good? How are your kids so good? I'm like, what do you mean? How are my kids so good? You just got to teach them the right way, but they don't know the right way because they're not being taught the right way. And it's, Woo! Blows my mind. And it's like, how do you expect us to have a world-class team if we don't have world-class coaches, right? They, they, they're they equal, right? You can't have world-class players but have the worst coaching staff in the world for the youth system. It's just never going to happen. you got to find equal. They both have to be good. So if you don't have a good coaching staff, you're not going to get a good player. Well, think. I mean, look at... You're talking more and more and more. But... Let's keep it going. Look at look at Jorgen Klinsmann. He comes in. He runs. I feel your pain. That's correct. Thumbs up. Mitch, I'll give you a thumbs up. <laughs> it, look, Jorgen Klinsmann comes in. They say, look, you're going to be the coach, the coach of the national team. You're going to be the technical director. I mean, did he do a great job? You could argue that. Fine. But what do you expect him to do? The system's not in place for him to do a great job. And when the system's not in place, he can't, he can't. And who knows, maybe Jorgen Klinsmann... God, I'm going to go on a rant now. Who knows, maybe Jorgen Klinsmann's not going to do the best job in the world. But even, let's just say I became the technical director of U.S. soccer. I'd be screwed from, I, I would be screwed from the start because of the way everything is set up for us. It, it, it just, you know, what, you know what we should do? We should just make this, continue the show, say this is next week's show. We're already 30 minutes into the next one. What difference does it make? We'll just cut it in half. Anyway, so, it, look... If, even if I got hired as technical director, or if I came in as the president of U.S. soccer, like because things need to change, there are probably so many things that are in place right now that we don't even know. There's probably some back-end rule or something that is so set because of the money that's being invested, the money that's being put in and everything, that it doesn't matter who comes in, you're not going to make a difference. Or you'll make a very minimal difference because of the way everything's set up. So you know, all this expectation was put onto... Jorgen Klinsmann to make this huge difference in U.S. soccer, but the system's already in place. We have to break the system. We have to break the system down, crush it, so to speak, build it back up in a whole new fashion, in my opinion. So essentially what I'm saying is we have to redo soccer in the United States. We have to redo it, break it down, rebuild it, and that's where the changes are going to happen. If we don't do that, we're going to be in the same vicious cycle. It doesn't. We could bring in Pep Guardiola to coach the national team. I guarantee you, even if Pep comes in, he's not going to get Michael Bradley, Josie out the door, Omar Gonzalez, Demarcus Beasley, and who else? Who else is on this team? I don't know. DeAndre Yedlin. God, the list could go on and on and on. He's not gonna. He might make the team better for sure. He's going to make them better. But well, they're not good enough. They're just not. They're not going to be good enough to do everything that he wants them to do because they're not. They're they're missing so many aspects of the developmental process, the phases of development. I look at DeAndre Yedlin and I'm like, what am I watching? He has blazing speed, absolutely very fast. His technique is like, I don't even know what to compare it to, but it's like comparing like a 14 year old player 
technically wise. I mean, that when I watch him, I'm just like, what am I watching? And so imagine you bring in Pep Guardiola to come coach this team. They're going to get a little bit better. For sure it's going to happen. But he's not going to come in and win a World Cup. He's not going to come in and be able to change everything because you won't have the players to do it. So that's where the system is, needs to be broken down. And I'm going to keep saying this. It needs to be broken down and rebuilt for something to actually happen because it, it, everything that we have now is just not set up for success. It's not set up for soccer to actually grow and be successful. We're going to have continued... We're going to have continued minimal growth like we're seeing. Like soccer's getting a little bit bigger every year. A little bit bigger. A little bit bigger. A little bit bigger. But then you lose the World Cup. Not lose the World Cup. You don't make the World Cup. You don't qualify for the World Cup. That's a huge step backwards. Now, I'm sure somebody's going to argue with me and say, well, you know, Italy didn't make it. And Chile didn't make it. And Netherlands Netherlands didn't make it. Yeah, they're in the group of death. (laughs) Aye. But it... (laughs) Yes, you're right. They didn't make it. But... It's a step backwards for them, there, too. Yeah, everything's a step backwards for everybody. I mean, Holland has been in trouble for a while, and they have some fantastic players. But they're, they're looking at their system saying, what can we do to fix this? Are we as a country going to be looking at this to saying, what can we do to fix it? And again, for me, we're not fixing this until we break everything down. We say, we scratch it. We, we essentially draw. We write this off as a loss. Say, what we've done didn't work. Let's fix it. Let's break it down. Rebuild the whole system. And I think, again, it's going to take 10 years to see actual growth, actual development. But until we do that, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Well, now it's my turn. <laughs> uh, so I want to touch back on the Pep Guardiola thing real quick. E- even if you paid Guardiola a billion dollars a year, he couldn't He wouldn't become the manager. He'd, he'd have to say no because it, it would be a step down for him, right? It'd make him look bad as a manager with the players we have. Because he couldn't play the game of soccer the way he wants. He couldn't play to- he couldn't play total football, dominating everything, always having the ball. Right? He couldn't do it with the players we have. He'd have to play like Jose Mourinho, and that's no offense, offense to Jose Mourinho. I think Jose Mourinho is tactically one of the best managers in the world. I'd say he's the second best manager in the world, bar none. And it's, so I'm not trying to bash Jose Mourinho at any stretch of the imagination. I'm getting off uh, topic here. It, it, he couldn't be able to do it because he wouldn't have the players he needs, right? The reason he can take a Manchester City team that's depleted is because he can buy players that are good enough. He can't buy a player at the U.S. national team and go, oh, hey, Cristiano Ronaldo, come play for me. Or, hey, Messi, come play for me for the U.S. national team. He can't do that. And so that's why he would never take the job because we don't have, like Kyle said, the, the, resources, system, the system, the system, the foundation to build those types of players he would need, right? He could take over Spain and say, all right, we're going to do this because they have the yes, players. Uh, they have the guys. players. I mean, he could take over Italy. He could take over France. He could take over even England. You could probably take over Netherlands. He'd make them better. But in America, nothing would happen, right? He'd try to play this total football, total soccer, whatever you want to call it domination that he style that he has and it wouldn't be successful now going back to Jurgen Klinsmann everyone tells me or everyone asks me what do you think of Jurgen Klinsmann why did he fail he didn't fail he wasn't given an opportunity to succeed he was set up to fail yeah you can't in our opinion you can't blame Jurgen Klinsmann for not changing soccer in America he wasn't given the opportunity he was hey Jurgen Klinsmann we're not changing anything but here change of soccer in America how do you if you if you don't change anything if you don't allow him to come in and really change the game here 
How is he going to? And then people are like, yeah, but look at the players he picked, man. He picked GRC Zardes or he picked this guy. Who else is he going to pick? He didn't have Christian Pulisic until at the end of his career. He didn't have these other players. He was stuck with Michael Bradley, Josie out the door. And, and we're sitting there, oh, yeah, Jurgen Klinsmann's a bad manager. No, he's not. He's well, actually Well, I think good. a lot of people said he was a bad manager because he ousted Donovan, too. Well, look, the thing about that is every manager or coach needs every top manager or coach, every time they come into a, a brand-new team, a brand-new club, a national team, whatever it is, they got to make a statement, right? Jose Altador, or not just <laughs> Jose Mourinho comes in to Manchester United. What does he do? Wayne Rooney's gone. Right? I mean, that's a big statement. Yeah. Pep Guardiola, Joe Hart, gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so they come in, they make well, these... Well, just don't even look at Joe Hart. I mean, look at all of them. Joe Hart left uh, after the year ended. Uh, Kolarov left. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I can't Pablo Zabaleta, like, gone. They all left, yeah. Bakari Sagna, even though he's he not that big. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, they come in, they're made... And I, the only reason I only said Joe Hart, because he's probably the biggest one. Everyone, big name, yeah. everyone in Manchester City loved him, for the, especially with the way he played against Barcelona that one time. And so they come in, they make these statements, and I think that's what Donovan was. Unfortunately for him, he was the statement. He was a statement of Jurgen Klinsmann, and that's that's just the pressure of uh, uh, the managers nowadays. They have to come in and they have to make a statement, right? And let's be honest, pr- a lot of United fans probably thought it was time for Rooney to go. God. Uh, I thought so for a long time. It was time for Rooney to get out of there. But that's besides the point is they have to come in and they have to make these statements like, look, I'm the manager. You have to respect me. If you don't buy into this system, you're out of here just like this guy. Or if you're not going to perform, you're out. If you're not good enough, you're out. Yeah. And so they have to come in. And he thought Donovan wasn't good enough. And look, he, he wasn't. I mean, he was the best uh, American soccer player at the time for sure, but he wasn't good enough. So what does that tell you about every other American player? If Donovan's the best and he's not good enough, what does that tell you about the rest of them, right? And so in my opinion, yes, Donovan was the best player, but wasn't good enough. I'm sure Jurgen Klinsmann felt the same way. And so he had to make a statement saying, look, I didn't feel Donovan was good enough and he's the best American player. I kicked him out. What are you guys going to do to show me that you're good enough, right? And so I felt uh, that's the way I took it. And uh, I thought Clint Dempsey stepped up pretty well, stepped up pretty well. But other than that, I really don't think anyone else is even close. Uh, I think Clint Dempsey was the best player for a little while there, and then he fell off. Got old. I shouldn't say he fell off, but uh, yeah. And so we were giving, we gave, we're not giving, we gave Jurgen Glensman. Look, you're the technical director. You're the national team manager change us please we're not going to change anything though but you got to change the way we play on the national level and like how does he i don't know I, it didn't make any sense to me how u.s soccer expected Jurgen Klinsmann to come in win a world cup or whatever they truly expected of him i have no idea what was in the contract and what they wanted him to win or try to win how do they expect it to happen if his only options are players from the mls who can't play at the top level but they're playing at the top level on the international scene, so it, it it's it's mind blowing to me. And it's here's a good question from Dave. Thanks, Dave, for the questions. It's been fun, actually. How would a French U10 team do against a USA U10 or U12, U14? Well, win. <laughs> yeah, 99 times out of 100, they're gonna win. But it's actually funny you said it because there's a tournament that starts this week. I think tomorrow, actually. That's called the Prospect Cup, and it's here in Orlando. 
At the Omni. At the Omni Hotel, which you may have heard of. It's a big hotel with a bunch of soccer fields. But there's a bunch of teams coming. Like, who's... I don't even remember who's coming. I want to say... I think Boca Juniors has a team. PSV Eindhoven, I think. No. Yeah, I think PSV. I'll have to look it up, but there's a bunch of teams coming. I want to say there's a Manchester club coming. I could be wrong. City. City's coming. Yes, it was City. I think there's a one or two Spanish teams. There's a lot of big academies. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head this second, but they're coming here. And I think Orlando City's in it. And I think there's one, one more. more uh, there's one more club from MLS that's coming. I think it's MLS. And I think everybody's going to actually see the difference. Now, it's... That's... There's going to be t- like you know you've always seen Miracle on Ice and the U.S. team sh- should never have won against the Russians or whatever the circumstance was. There's going to be times when a, a U.S. team, like when we played, when we played Belgium in the World Cup and Tim Howard to make 16 saves in a game to keep us in the tor- in in the game alone just to, so we don't get. We- yeah, but David De Gea made 14 saves against Arsenal, Kyle. Man. It's a one-off game. Well, here's my point to that, right? Oh. Sorry, I cut you off. David De Gea made 14 saves, sure. How many of those were right at him or right next to him where he just had a nice collapse dive and save? Probably 13, 12, maybe 11. So he, at most, had to make three out of the ordinary saves. All of them were nice and easy shots that he should be making. Or saves that he should be saving. Or shots that he should be saving, right? So... These Tim Howard, that Tim Howard game he was just talking about, I want to say about 14, 12 to 14 of those saves were, holy crap, Tim Howard's really good. Like, he made a spectacular save. That's a problem, right? A lot of them were also 1v1s. He shouldn't be making, like, I want to say he had like six 1v1 saves that game. He shouldn't be making six 1v1 saves. Well, I think, again, a big difference between that game and, and the Belgian game with the U.S. is that United were winning 2-0 or something at halftime or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe right before halftime. They score one, make it 2-1. But the United scores again to make it 3-1. So they know that the game's essentially done. Whereas with that game, the USA are tied with Belgium and they're still getting hammered. And I, I didn't get a chance to see the whole Manchester game versus the Manchester United versus Arsenal, but... If I saw very quickly when I looked online that it's two zero, you know you don't have to go forward as much because you have the game. It's in it's essentially in your control. Obviously, you don't want your goalkeeper making the save, but if it's a if, if it's save like Mitchell, if what's Mitchell saying, David de Gea is not a slouch of a goalkeeper. He'll make the save eight times, nine times out of ten, especially if it's very easy. Best keeper in the world. So when you're relying on Tim Howard to keep you in a game at 1-1 or 0-0, whatever the score is, there, that, again, is a big difference because then you're getting sliced open. Whereas United are winning 2-0. They've already put pressure on Arsenal. They're now retreating to play a little bit deeper so they take less risk. If somebody's going to shoot from 20 yards, 25 yards, 18 yards, and he's going to go right at him or next to De Gea, he's going to make the save. Whereas if, like Mitchell said, a bunch of 1v1s are coming on to Tim Howard and he's got to make big saves... And not that De Gea didn't make some, you know, one, two, three big saves, but like Mitchell said, a majority of them from the highlights that I saw or the periods that I saw of the game, it's they were relatively comfortable saves. You'd make an easy save to left. Now there was a double save against, I think, Lacazette and Alexis where you're like, mm-hmm. wow, that's incredible. 
But that would have been just one goal because it was the same play. So even if they scored that, I think that would have made it 2-2, maybe 2-1. I don't remember the time. Maybe 3-2. And United still would have been probably in control of that game because they would have been up one. And then United gets a red card, so now they're playing 10 men versus 11, and the whole thing changes again. Well, but also a difference is United has probably got like eight players behind the ball when those shots are coming in at De Gea. So a realistic opportunity of scoring is very minimal. Yeah, because you're shooting away. They're shooting from range. they got a lot of players, whereas those Tim Howard saves, they probably got two or three in front of them, and he's got to now make or the save. Or one-on-one breakaway. Or he's a one-on-one break, right? So, I mean, that that's a big difference. So United's like, yeah, you can have this shot. You're 30 yards out. We got eight players in front of you. Good luck, right? Uh, so that's that's a big difference in, in between that. And we I love how we were about to end like 20 minutes ago and we're somehow still going. Well, we, are, we just talked about making this a whole separate show, which we might do. We'll call this truth number two after the one hour. I think that'll be good because you might as well keep going. We're already thir- you know, 17 minutes away from another hour. So Wow, I'm hungry too. <laughs> but, you know, talking about a French U10 team, if you get a chance to watch the Prospect Cup, it's, I believe it's a U12 tournament. I I don't know if they're going to stream it live. I mean, I hope so, or if there's a way to watch it. I mean, I want to watch it. I'm going to try and go to you know one or two of the games. And just like just just to watch the level difference again, and these are going to be pro academies. And it, it, it's going to be a completely different experience. You know, Orlando City might win one or two games, maybe not. But they're also these teams are coming over from Europe. Uh, who who knows how long they've been here? There's jet lag, everything that's incorporated. But I'm really hoping to see you know real good soccer, real good football because I guarantee you, I personally guarantee you that if that same team that we played the first time, I can't remember the name, it started with a D. If we played them, or if they played, I would say pretty much every MLS academy at the same age range, age group maybe one MLS team would win that game. On even playing field, everything's the same, consistent. They're going to win one game out of 100 or whatever the, the number is because of the level difference of the two teams. It, I mean, it, I, I couldn't stop by clap. Like, I would just watch these guys. I'm clapping because I was just like, these kids are playing soccer. They're playing football. And the funny thing was that they their coach came up to us after the game and they're like, you know, we played an American team before, and all they ever did was just kick it. They just kicked it. And we're like, well, we call that kickball here in, in the U.S. But even with our group of kids, we tried to play soccer. We told our goalkeeper no punts. He had to throw it, or he had to use his feet. And guess what? Our kids had to deal with that pressure. They had to deal with being put under pressure from the other team immediately. Immediately, because the other team immediately, the second they saw our two center backs get it, they dropped off. They waited for that first pass into the fullback, into the center midfielder, or into the number 10, into the number 8, number 6, or 7-11. And then that's when they jumped and pressed the ball immediately. The second they saw that ball going in, they jumped and pressed it. They essentially told our two center backs, you're going to have the ball, you're going to pass it, we're going to press it. And they did that to a T. Our kids didn't know how to handle it because when you watch most American teams play, they're especially that age, one, they're not good enough, technically. Two... They're not tactically. They're not that aware. I mean, how many, how many U eighteen teams, U fifteen, U sixteen teams do you watch or anybody watches? And they're completely organized defensively, and they go out and pressing perfectly. Dave, 
So what is that, like 10? <laughs> no, I'd be pointing at a zero. So it, it, it's completely... The, it, the level's just so different, and it's, it's shocking. And most people don't realize that because they've never experienced outside of the United States. So they're used to seeing... You know, one player go press, and then the other nine, eight players are sitting behind waiting, or it's two players that press. I really hope I watch these games, and it's their first team, their actual team, which it should be, and they're going out full press. They're probably essentially... Not. Huh? I, mean, I was just going to say, probably not. I mean, they're probably coming here just to play, right? They're not coming here to try their hardest. and Sure, they want to win, but they're probably not going to come here and like, all right, we're going to go all out, you know? Yeah, well, and that's why trips to Europe, like going to Europe and actually experiencing European football, European life, European style, South American style, whatever country you want to pick or continent, I should say, you're going to learn so, 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 so much. Yeah, I was trying to think of any. That's pretty funny. And so Mitchell might be right. I, I really do hope that. We get a chance, and and if anybody can, please go watch this Prospect Cup because I think it'll be very exciting for everybody. And just to watch the quality of the European players, just to watch them, and watch how technically advanced they are, watch how tactically astute they are, especially that age range. And it, it's going to be mind-boggling, I think, for a lot of people. Hopefully, if everything goes the way I'm anticipating, if it goes the way Mitchell's anticipating, then it's a little different. But you know, I. I couldn't imagine that, for example, Manchester City would come over here and not bring their best team, or not best team, but come out to play their best because if they look bad, they're going to lose a lot of fans, maybe. I doubt it. Well, here's the way I'm taking it, right? When when they play in, just for example, just say Manchester City's playing in the ICC Cup, you think they're going all out? No, they're coming over well, here. Well, that's preseason. Yeah, but this is probably like their winter break for most of them. Yeah, so they're, they're coming over here and, you know just playing some scrimmages just to keep playing, right? They're not coming in over here to play a season game where they're like, all right, we got to win, boys. Here we go. We're coming out. We're listening to our music. We're getting ready and, and all that stuff, right? They're not coming out here. In my opinion, I don't think they're going to be coming out and trying their 100% best. I take it like a uh, like a friendly match, you know? Their winter break, they're coming over here to enjoy some time, and you get in the sun, get away from the cold, and uh-huh. play some soccer, right? That, that To me, that's what they're probably here for. And as much as that's disappointing to me, that's what I believe in. I really don't want to believe that, but that's what I do. And I'd love to see, for example, because I'm that's the one team I know is coming. Manchester City's U10 team play against Orlando City's U10 team. It's but 12. Oh, it's 12. U12, yeah. I thought it was U10s. I thought it was U12. I mean, one of Either way, that. it doesn't matter. So I'd love to see whatever age group it is play against the other age group. Say Manchester City's age group play against the same age group as Orlando City and see the difference, right? And I guarantee you there'd be a big difference. It, it wouldn't even be close to that game. I, I, I can almost guarantee that. It's yeah. So I think I think a lot of players, not a lot of players, a lot of people. If you watch the games, especially if it's a European team versus uh, an American team, you'll see the difference more than if you see an American European team versus a European team. I think the American team will be all uh, really far behind, really far behind. Dave, that's pretty funny because it's actually 100 percent true. If NCSL is a high level travel team in DC or travel league. The problem is that even the best teams had only one or two elite players, which makes it tough. Makes it tough for them to improve. Also, yeah, you're exactly right. That's exactly what I was just talking about. You know, probably an hour ago, <laughs> but with this IX video, and I'll share it to you. 
Dave, it's it's <laughs> crazy beyond all heck because one of the things they say is with these academy systems they have, they essentially only have one team per age group. It's not like here, like for example, last year Orlando City had 11 U11 teams from A to Z. And, you know, Ajax has one U11 team. That's it. They're completely focused on one team because they're trying to find the best players they can, put them into this environment. And guess what? When you do that, they're all going to be good. And I'm going to give whoever's listening to this point, I'm going to give you an absolutely crazy uh, statistic. And even if you play in a European academy, the chances of you, like, becoming a professional are still ridiculously slim. I mean, it's crazy. Like, again, I'm going to use Olympic Lyonnais because that's what I know very well. They, last year, they had 29 players on their roster for the U19 age group. And my friend Joel told me that they had 11, no, sorry, not 11, nine players signed professional contracts. And he's like, this is the most unheard of thing because normally it's one or two a year. One or two. So if you look at that drop off, let's just say a flat number of 30. One or two sign a professional contract out of the 30. You have 29, 28 other players that essentially are no longer, that are essentially no longer in this system. They're more than likely not going to sign a professional contract now because they're out of the system. And and it, it makes a big difference when they're no longer in this system to keep going. They have to try and find a different way. A lot of them go get a job. Some of them might try and play somewhere else. But think about that for a second. 28 or 29, on average, are going to be playing... or not going to be playing professional soccer at the U19, U19 level. And it's... If that doesn't tell you how crazy this whole thing is becoming, it, it really makes a, a huge difference that only one or two of a roster will go play professional soccer at the highest level. And, and that's crazy to think about. And this is, you're talking about one of the elite European academies. Dave, you just said the best NCSL players went to Team America and that became very political as far as coaching and facilities. And I only know of one, maybe a few others that made it professionally, one of them to the Washington team. Look, Dave, I mean, I played in NCSL. Mitchell played in NCSL. Uh, nothing special. I mean, the level was probably consistent with any other level around the country in terms of actually being good or not and it's not so the the level is just completely different again and it's such a small number of kids that are going to make it but if we don't have the system in place our kids aren't going to make it and that's why and again i'll personally guarantee this one that if christian pulisic was a or if christian pulisic remained in the united states I guarantee you he would not have been even close to the same level of play one, but two, close to the professional game because of the, of the way the environment, the way the system is set up in this country. We're not, we're not, players, young players aren't, aren't supposed to be given a chance. They're supposed to, in a sense, go to college, go get become, uh-huh. get a degree, get a degree, a go, go become a professional player, so to speak, in the less at 22, 21, 23. And we've talked about this before, but I'll say it one more time. Professional players in Europe are making breakthroughs at 16, 17, 18. I mean, I'll go back. When they're kids. I remember back when Darren Fletcher was just a schoolboy. Actually, I don't remember that because I wasn't there. But uh, 
I read a story not too long ago, I want to say like a year or two, possibly even three ago, that uh, Sir Alex Ferguson first wanted to sign Darren Fletcher when he was 14 for the professional team. Uh, he couldn't because the laws, uh, they said he had to be 16. But, I mean, that that's telling you the story right there, right? Could you imagine a 14-year-old trying to be signed for Orlando City, D.C. United? What do you do? 14, though, not 15. He was 15, right? Or 16. I don't know, but was he really 14 or 15? That's a whole other question. Anyways, the, the, the fact of the matter is players overseas are given chances to break through. Now, it's becoming harder, for sure, because of how much money is being thrown around. But the number of kids here that aren't, is still astronomically high, and I and it's like and I have talked about this again before. But the number of players that aren't playing soccer anymore anywhere because they don't have a place to play. Why do we not have adult teams? Why is, does not why does every club not have an adult team? I mean, for, just look at us. We're not playing, and I'd love to play. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to still play, and and we're not, and I'm not. I mean, I literally just train. I just coach. Sometimes I hop in when I'm coaching, but other than that, I'm not really playing. And it's like, why, right? I mean, if you go to Europe, you, uh, you there's an adult team everywhere for you. At every club, there's an adult team that you can go play for. And there's... Now, that does not mean it's professional. That's perfectly yeah. okay. But there's places for people to go play, and some of them do get a chance to sign a professional contract. Uh, or they do get a chance to move up to a better club, and they get a little bit more compensation. And, and you know where that comes from? Promotion and relegation, right? Let's look at Jamie Vardy. Here we go again. We're on another rant. Let's look at Jamie Vardy. Uh, he's uh, he came from a non-league team and all all the way up to the Premier League champion. Uh, he won the champion, not the Champions League. He won the Premier League, right? And he started from nothing. He was oh, he was a stock boy at some warehouse, if I remember correctly, playing non-league football. Meaning he was just a Sunday boy. He was just on a Sunday team or something like that. And next thing you know, he got signed by Fleetwood. If I remember correctly, I don't. I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Uh, and then he just rose through the ranks through from there. And then he became a, a Premier League winner. And he's playing for the English national team. And But we don't have that here, right? Just for example, say we had adult teams. But we had no promotion and relegation. You know how hard it would be? Just well, Let's just take us. Say we were playing for, I don't know, let's go with Florida Rush. Right? Because everyone knows Florida Rush or Rush at some point. Let's say we're playing for Florida Rush's adult team, and there's no promotion or relegation. How likely is it that Orlando City is going to come watch us and want to sign us? Not very. How likely is it that uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies is going to come watch a game of us? They play in the USL. Come watch a game of the Florida Rush team is just an amateur team, just playing for fun, really, just a Sunday league team. And I'm going to watch them and say, oh, yeah, I like that Mitchell guy. He seems pretty good. Let's sign him. It's not very likely, right? But if you have promotion and relegation, let's just say we promote, we prom- get promotion all the way up to the USL through Florida Rush's adult team. And we started from nothing. And boom, now Tampa Bay Rowdies want to sign us. And then boom, all of a sudden, uh, Orlando City wants to sign us. And then boom, all of a sudden, someone else wants to sign us. And we're closing that gap of good players. Look that are coming through that could come through the ranks and look that's not very likely you're not very you're not going to get players all the time that are like Jamie Vardy he's once in a few years probably like 10 20 years you get one player like that that's going to go all the way to uh, the national team but at the same time there's still plenty of players that are late bloomers that didn't quite hit the spotlight like he did like they play for uh, champions what is it championship championships 
And or even lower. Even lower than that, but they're still playing soccer professionally. They're living on their own through soccer, right? So they're able to do it, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? And maybe, they, maybe they're low enough that they have to have a part-time job. I got no idea, but at least they're still playing the game they love, and given the opportunity, I would love to do that. I would love to play soccer and then coach on the side after I'm done. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love it. Uh, I think there'd be nothing better. So I, I don't understand why we don't implement something like that. Even if, look, I'm not even saying we have to implement promotion and relegation right now, but let's just put in uh, adult teams for every club. Let's just do it. Let's just say, all right, let's fund the money. I'm sure, okay, I shouldn't say that. I'm positive a lot of clubs, not all, a lot of clubs could fund their adult team through their youth system. Right? I know a lot of clubs have a lot of kids. Like Orlando City's got, even though I know they already have an adult team, I'm fully aware. They have 11 U11 teams. How many clubs have three, four U11 teams? I mean, we have that many kids that are playing the game of soccer nowadays that we have so we have an abundance of teams at clubs sometimes. Like Orlando City has 11 U11 teams. So I'm sure they could fund it. Or even just say, all right, you got to pay $500 for the year, and then you got to buy your uniform too. I'm sure they'd get a lot of sign-ups still, even though they got to pay. I'm sure they'd still find a way to sign up for it and play. I mean, I'd probably do it, to be honest with you. I'd probably go, all right, here's $500. I'll buy my uniform. Sure, I'd, I'd play. So I'm not sure why we're not funding that or why we're not implementing that. It doesn't make sense. Let's put leagues all throughout, even if it's just an amateur league. Let's just call it uh, Central Florida Adult League, for example, right? So it's the CFAL that... All these clubs around the area could partake in, from Florida Rush to Celebration, Four Corners, etc. They could all partake in them and have an adult team playing. And I guarantee you get a lot more signups than you probably think. I mean, you could even probably take some of the coaches from each of these clubs and put them on the adult team. I'm sure they'd play. I'm sure they'd love to play. So I'm not sure why we're not implementing something like that yet. Why are they not implementing something like that? I mean, that's a great question. So, what do you think? Another hour? It's been an extra hour. <laughs> yeah. Look, do I want to do an extra hour? We going to do part three of the truth? No. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm not ready to do that. So we're going to be closing this out. If anybody has any final questions, please ask. And we've done an extra hour already, so it's been a lot. But I think we've talked about a whole bunch of good stuff, and we're going to kind of wrap this up pretty soon. So, if there's any final questions, I'll give my final thoughts here. And we'll probably close out because we have our second hour. So we went a lot longer than we anticipated. I mean, we thought about 30 minutes, so it's pretty funny. But without... Boy, we, uh, I was just say, boy, do we need Mariana. Huh? <laughs> without, without adult teams, a lot of players are not... <laughs> Next time I've got more, yeah. Keep it coming, Dave. It's been fun. Maybe we need to have you actually on the show. I don't know how we'd do that, but we'd find a way, I'm sure... Maybe, I don't know, we can talk more about it later. But anyway, so without having adult teams, without having a platform for players to continue to play, like myself, who would love to play, and just an adult team that played in the same league as the youth teams or whatever, or make it a completely separate league, that's fine too. I talked to this before, maybe I'll do it. I don't know, i got to figure it out. I mean, I'm working on a lot of things, so it isn't always easy. And I... This is where it, it kind of gets complicated because it's like, where, 
where are we truly going to make an impact? And again, what is the goal of U.S. soccer? And and if anybody has the answer, please. George said he'd play. All right, George, let's play. What are you going to play? Goalie? Forward? Let's do it, George. Next time I bring next time I I'm bring up a tennis analogy. There we go. Yeah, do that, David. It'll be good because uh, they all go hand in hand. I'm sure. Very simple. I mean, I'm not good in any other sport and don't know anything about anything else, but soccer. Same. And it's and this is why I think Mitchell and I wanted to do this talk show just to kind of share our experiences, our thoughts, our knowledge. Our knowledge, and whether you like me or not, and I, I think I get along fairly well with everybody. And, no. And we we need to we got to change it. We got to change it, and I'm I'm kind of getting tired now. But we need to change stuff if we're seriously going to be if we're seriously going to be oh the IMG Academy yeah definitely a interesting place and actually a place that my parents looked at sending me when I was a kid growing up. But now it's a lot different than then, so that's kind of funny, isn't it? But we, we just need to start doing stuff, start implementing things that are better for us as a country in terms of soccer being more available to all, one. And two, giving people a chance to continue to play above a certain level. So whether that's... And Gustavo just came on, and I don't know if Gustavo, if you're still even playing soccer, but... You know, I'm sure you'd love to play for an adult team. And even if it's not college or if it's not professional, you'd love to play, like in Europe, play for a, you know, amateur amateur team and just play. And then if you get fortunate enough and you continue to impress or whatever the situation is, you can get a chance to go play college or get a chance to play professional. Semi-pro. Semi-pro, anything. And that's a huge thing that we're missing. So if anybody has any final questions, I'll let Mitchell kind of wrap it up with his final thoughts. My and final thoughts. We'll kind of close out if there's no more questions. Well, going so. back to the first part, the first part of the first hour we had. Let's see, Manchester City's a great team. Hey, remember when that we were talking about that one? That one seemed like forever ago, huh? Kevin De Bruyne's a really good player. Pep Guardiola is probably the best manager in the world. Uh, will they go undefeated? Who knows? It's a tough. It's a tough question to answer, to be honest with you. Uh, MLS Cup. Toronto won at 1-0, in case you didn't know. I didn't know. I had to ask him before the show. Uh, <laughs> Christian Poole is sick on the herd. Yeah, so, yeah, we need to change America. We need to change it now. Hey, Gustavo, thanks for the message. I'm doing very well. Hope you are, too. Where are you at now, anyways? That's, I'm curious. Are you still playing soccer or not? Because if not, then I think this would be perfect for you in terms of actually getting an adult team consistent, like playing for clubs. So that'd be fun. What's up, Jonathan Peroni? Oh, it's the sheriff. I just realized who it was. Oh, my God. What up, sheriff? Thanks for coming in and listening. So, All right, guys. I think that's pretty much it. I'll say oh. my final thoughts. What? Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, I have a Christmas tree up in my house, and you can tell it's very filled. It's pretty disappointing. And, yeah, so we'll have another great show next week. Probably won't be two hours like this one. I mean, this is the longest one. Miller time. Absolutely right, Miller time. And it's kind of crazy. Yo, you're in Orlando still working, playing, or what's the deal? You go to school? That's good. And Miller time, absolutely. We got a cat laughing. That's great. And, yeah, so next show next week, we'll have it again Sunday. Tune in. We're Again, we're working. Thank you, George. The tree is very sad. I know. 
Uh, you want to see something hysterical before I close out? I don't even know how to do this, but the lights only ha we bought this tree and only half the lights work. And it's uh, not even half, like a third of the lights. Only the top part of the tree up, like the third part, only that part actually works. So it's it's actually pretty funny. Uh, I don't know if, is it plugged in? It can't be plugged in. If it's plugged in, it be on. So, yeah, it's not plugged in, but it's it's hysterical. So it's a, it's a, I'm going to plug it in for you so you can see, George, because I think you'll laugh pretty hard. Oh, boy. Ready? And action. Here we go. <laughs> That's all I got. That's it. For some reason, the other part of the tree doesn't work. So we're actually going to take it back at some point, either before or after Christmas. I don't know. just depends if I get to it. So that's it, guys. Thanks for coming in and tuning into the show. Gustavo said, working and playing once in a while, but would love to play for a team. Yeah, just like in Europe, right? I mean, they get to play all the time. And we do not have that here. So thanks again, guys, for watching. Tune in. He said laugh out loud. Yeah, literally laugh out loud because it is pretty funny. And we'll we'll be back next week, Sunday, 6 o'clock. So please come back and check us out. And, you know, we can talk all about soccer. And Gustavo, if you want to come on the show, let me know. We'll, we can certainly work on having you on since you're in Orlando because I, depending on where you are, I'm not too far from you. So that's it, guys. Thanks. Have a good rest of your night. And we'll be putting this back out on Facebook Live and through a podcast. So enjoy. Have a good rest of your night, guys. Bye-bye.